What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten podcast, brought to you by Blocking the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina, alongside Aiden Davis. Aiden, how are you doing, my good friend? I'm I'm hanging in there. This we're halfway through. I think I saw somewhere you you're doing the post that I think we're at 76, 77 As days to the NFL. This, yeah. yeah. 77 While you're listening days. To it, yeah. Yep. While so, you listen I mean, to it, it'll be 76. So I'm only doing that. And I actually talked to RJ about it. He's like, Well, what's your like what's your plan? What's your vision? Like, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm sorry if I like presented this wrong. I simply just wanted to tweet it out. And it was more for me. I didn't care if anybody sees it, anybody <laughs> likes it. Like, I, I'm building up my own anticipation. So the fact that when everybody's listening to this, will be 76 days out. Um, it's it's quickly coming, but not quick enough, in my opinion. Completely agree. And I've gotten to the point where the Rangers just finished off a series where we got beat by the Yankees, which was not fun. And I know it would be even less fun for some of Red Sox fan like you. So yeah. I'm... I'm I'm logging off of sports for a little bit. I know the Rangers are doing well. I'll pick it back up around like August, September, where things start to get interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm logging off of sports for a little bit. <laughs> it's tough. I, I can't, you know, my wife, like we, we were trying to find shows and I actually talked about this. So I've already watched Breaking Bad, right? I watched Breaking Bad in its entirety. Classic. Yep. We're in the middle of rewatching it. And it's been so long since I've watched it. And it almost feels new again, which is nice. You know what I mean? So it's been so long that I, I'm kind of rewatching it. But what I didn't watch was the movie Il Camino. And I never yeah. watched Better Call Saul. So Okay. I'm, I'm go telling you. El Camino to me is take it or leave it. Like I wasn't it was yeah. cool to see the guy like it was cool to see Jesse. Jesse Pinkman, right? That's his yeah, name. Jesse Pinkman. Jesse P- yeah. It was cool to see Jesse Pinkman revive the ro- revive, yeah, revive the role a little bit. Mm-hmm. Better Call Saul is like you have to get to that first. Better Call Saul is a legitimately just amazing show from start to finish. And if you like Breaking Bad, you're gonna like Better Call Saul. And that's what I'm hearing. Like, funny enough, like I'm so late on shows that my mom told me I had to watch Better Call Saul, and it's just <laughs> funny for her to be like, "You have to watch it. You'll love the show." So. I said to my wife, I was like, we could have enough bingeable TV to get me to the end of July. And then that's when football starts. And then like, OK, I, I found a way to get through it because that's all I'm really doing. Like you said, you're you're checked out of football. I was I was just watching the USFL playoffs before we started recording <laughs> this. So like I, I'm I'm starving for anything right now. So we have I don't think we've really talked about this. What's your like apart from sports, which we talk about a lot, like what do you what do you do? Like, what, what? How do you keep yourself entertained if you're not watching sports? Is it TV shows mostly? It's funny. I actually, um, I think the problem is, and I think it's our our, our generation's problem, is I'm just like on my phone all the time. You know yeah, what I mean? So me too. I'll look up, and it'll be like three hours, and I didn't even turn my TV on. I'm just on TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. Like, I'm always going through the through the, the those kind of channels. But yeah, I think my biggest thing. And I always talk about this. I've started new jobs or I've been in, you know, icebreaker situations where like, tell me three interesting facts about you. And I'm like, I think all three of them have to do with like sports or football. Like I'm just yep. not a very complex guy. I'm uh, sports is a big part. I will say over the past probably year and a half, I've gotten a lot more into like in high school and middle school is really into movies over mm. the past like year and a half. I've gotten back into movies. Watch just being able to sit down hour and a half. I get the full story. I don't have to wait ten seasons to get a resolution on it. I'm I'm fully back into the movie game. Yeah, like I just like two hours, get the story over with. I don't need to wait. I don't need to wait ten years for this show to progress. Put you on the spot here. What's your favorite movie of all time? Good, the bad, and the ugly is all okay. is my favorite of all time. All I'm right. also I like westerns. So yeah, like good, the like bad, the ugly. That's my like black yeah. and white westerns or. Nah, that start that's where I start to get in. You kind of lose me a little bit when you start yeah. getting into black and white, but like I don't care. Like good, the bad, the ugly, it's made mostly like 99% of the actors in it are Italian, so they have to dub the English over it. I don't care. It's still an amazing story. That's my yeah. what's I don't think what's your favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie, I'm gonna be so cliche, but my favorite movie of all time is Goodfellas. And then, you know, number two, uh Godfather number two is probably my second favorite movie. Tony, I got a hot take for you. Goodfellas oh, no. and Godfather 2, I'm not huge on. Godfather 1 is in like my top five. Yeah. Godfather 2, Goodfellas, I'm not yeah. huge on those movies for some reason. Ah. I don't know why. They lose me. 
no, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I don't know, man. That just, I just dove into it and I just got like fascinated with it. And I know I was watching it at a way too young of age, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really as versed in movies as I probably should be. Um, my wife's not a big like movie person, but I do want to kind of get into it. Like you said, I have a respect for the cinema and I always look at the creativity. I'm like, I'm not creative like this. I can't come up with like <laughs> how they do this. So I, I'm really impressed every time I'm like in a movie theater situation. I like it. It's just easy watching. Get through. Yeah. Throw it yeah. on at night. Call it a night. Yeah. Absolutely. So as we pivot to our cowboy section of this movie podcast here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about and we were kind of hashing this out pre before we got on the show here. But uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he t- he had some choice words this week. And it, uh, interesting. And we'll definitely get some takes. I have some questions for you here. But if you didn't hear, and I'm sure you did, it's been talked about for a few days. Demarcus Lawrence says there isn't a huge gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles right now. And um, I agree. But I want to ask you, is he right in that sentiment? Is there really a huge gap there at all? Yeah, I don't really understand why this quote got as much circulation as it did. Because, I mean, we June. talked about... Yeah. Okay. We talk about this like, yeah, you're right. A, it's June. B, it's a Cowboys player. Duh. It's getting a circulation. But we talk about this two to three times a year. It's like, what did you expect Demarcus Lawrence to say? Like, I I don't like the quotes where it's like, the quote circulates and it's like, okay, did you expect him to say, yeah, the Eagles got us this year. We might as well, we're gunning for second place in the NFC. Like, okay, A, I don't. But outside of that, even outside of like the, what was he supposed to say argument? The Cowboys beat the Eagles once. I understand it was with Gardner Minshew, but you can like, I was it was it you who pointed it out on Twitter? I don't. Somebody I think within the BTB community pointed out that a lot of those turnovers were not Gardner Minshew's fault, right. and I think it was, and even with Jalen Hurts, where we didn't have Dak Prescott, it was still a competitive game. So I don't like. Mm-hmm. We can't act like, and there was what a two win difference, one win difference. Like yeah. let's not act like there's a huge gap between these teams. That, that's the part that kind of blows my mind. Like, to answer it directly, Demarcus Lawrence saying what he said, I have absolutely no issues with it. Like you said, he he's going to go out there and he's say, what do you want him to say? Oh, we're not good. We're not competitive. Like, he absolutely should believe this. And I don't think it's, like, blind, you know, I don't think it's blind positivity anyway. I think there's a real basis to say the Cowboys got better this offseason. They were, um, at the end of the day, um, they were a step or two below the Eagles last year. That's just the facts of the matter. But it came down to situational football. It came down to some little things that just didn't go their way. And ultimately, the Eagles ended up in the Super Bowl, and we didn't. But but that doesn't mean that, you know, things couldn't have gone differently, right? I think that the fact that there's fatigue with the Cowboys, and it's a running joke how we can't get over the hump when it comes to the divisional round, I think a lot of people think this gap, there's like a mountain difference. Like, let's pump the brakes. Jalen Hurts had a really great year. The Eagles are super talented, but the NFL is built on parity. The, the Cowboys could beat the Eagles. I mean, there's a real chance. I mean, I'm not saying it's a real chance, but there's a chance that even like the Giants could win the division. You know, at the end of the day, Seriously, like, yeah. that's just how the league is. And that's how this division has been for as long as we can remember. Yeah. And like I'm pulling up PFF's uh, pre-draft power rankings of the NFL teams. They have the Eagles at three and the Cowboys at six. So like even from an yeah. objective outlet like PF, like, yeah, I if it's not like it's the tech. It's not like we're talking about the Texas of. Somebody from the Texans saying, yeah, there's no gap between us and the Eagles. No, we're talking about teams that even if you look at it objectively, sure, most people have the Eagles higher. And if I were to form an NFL power rankings, I'd probably put the Eagles above the Cowboys. But it's not like I'd drop the Cowboys 10 spots behind them. It's ridiculous to like you have to have that argument of there's parity in the NFL each year. There's a very real chance that the Cowboys win the division. And what we continue the streak of there not being a repeat winner since like 2002 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fair. I mean, it's all fair. Yes, the Eagles had done did a good job last year, and the Cowboys did well, but they didn't do to that level. That you know, the pluses and minuses of a, of a of a team adding pieces, free agency, draft, whatever. Um, you could say the gaps tightened. If you're an Eagles fan, you probably say it's been widened. But that's just kind of what it is here. I think at the end of the day, Demarcus Lawrence said what any Cowboys player, any player in any team would say. So I think it's a a big to do about nothing, but I do appreciate him actually standing on it and saying it. So I guess the, my question is, if you haven't answered it directly, is how large is the gap to you? We, we acknowledge there is a gap, but how big is it for you? 
I think the gap is one offensive line, like one, maybe one defense. Mm. You can even say like maybe one decent offensive lineman away. Like that's the gap because to me, the Cowboys have the better defense than the Eagles. And I don't think that's hot takey to say like the Cowboys do. The Eagles defense yeah. is great. It's definitely one of the best in the NFL. The Cowboys is slightly better to me when you're looking at quarterbacks, Jalen hurt proved a lot last year, but I still believe in Dak. I think they're like on the same tier, at least if I were to rank them. Receiving core, I think negligible. Tight end, the Eagles probably have a speed, but how much does the tight end matter? Running back, Cowboys have them. So to me, like the only real difference is the Eagles just have that outstanding offensive line that helps them to win games. The Cowboys don't have that anymore. And so like that's the difference. But then again, if you were to throw somebody like, uh, I don't know, like if you were to take one Eagles offensive lineman and put him on the Cowboys team, I think the Cowboys would be right there with them. So to me, it's a very small difference. I agree. One offensive lineman. Yeah, I agree. Cause if you look at it, right. And I think there was a, a measurement, like an actual measurement of like teams luck from last year. And the Eagles are one of the luckiest statistically proven teams in the NFL. So you take that with the fact that you're already a talented football team and you have a quarterback who's by an all indications was playing out of his mind they had a system yeah. that works for Jalen Hurts and he was able to, to thrive in a system that really worked for him couple that with some lucky bounces and just I mean look at how the playoffs played out like I'm not trying to be a hater I mean geez man I mean if anybody on earth got that playoff route where there's the Giants and then you're got Christian McCaffrey taking snaps at quarterback like anybody could have been in that situation now you can't fault them for actually doing it and they and they got to that point but um I just there has to be some regression, right? Like they're not going to get every bounce. They're not going to get every injury favorable situation. Um, the Cowboys aren't going to get smoked. I, I, I'm going to say a hot take here. It feels hot take because Dak Prescott hasn't been healthy like one time in the last like three or four years. I think this is the year he plays all 17 games. And if he does play all 17 games, I think the Cowboys are going to be dangerous. When you look at the record, I bet you'll reflect the fact that he was there every game. But I just think that, like we mentioned earlier, the NFL is such a finicky thing. It's such a parody league that, I mean, if anybody's going to come in here and speak in definites and absolutes, you're just lying. I completely agree. And like, to me, yeah, when we talk about like this quote specifically, I mean, we've we've gone over this before, but it's just, let's not, let's not act like Demarcus Lawrence is like, like the NFL, everybody in the NFL that watches NFL media is always going to cling to what the Cowboys players say. But I think it just at the end of the day, we can't as Cowboys fans specifically, we have to learn to tune out when the national media starts paying attention to us. And that this is one of those examples. Just we don't. And I mean, I guess we're, we talked about this for five minutes now, but like we just we have to learn to tune it out eventually. Yeah, a side pivot to this, like you, what you said is kind of reminding me of this. It's so funny to be a Cowboys fan or a Cowboys content creator and just seeing like the full sc scale or scope of the NFL. It's so funny to be so pol polarizing in this position because every team uses a Cowboys player as their measuring stick. Like even I just saw us taking even on Twitter, we took a stray from a Carolina Panthers fan who was like saying that <laughs> just. Um, J.C. Horn was better than Trayvon Diggs, and that was his take. Then I saw Daniel Jones is better than Dak Prescott, and then it's Jalen Hurts is better than Dak Prescott. I'm like, if we stink and we can't win a Super Bowl, why is everybody measuring their team against our players? Like, make it make sense to me, Aiden, please. Yeah, and but it's also selective in the like. I don't understand because you're not seeing like. One common thing is Eagles fans love to compare Hassan Reddick to Micah Parsons. I'm not yes. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's an in-division rival. I kind of understand where you're coming from. Micah Parsons is obviously a guy that gets talked about a lot. Hassan Reddick is, to I'll throw Eagles fans a bone here. Hassan Reddick is a little bit underrated in terms of how people talk about him. But it's just weird that, okay, so you get Micah Parsons, you obviously get Dak Prescott, Trayvon Diggs, but then guys like, CD Lamb, like I, I don't really see a lot of people using CD Lamb as their measuring stick. I don't see people using Tony Pollard as their measuring stick. So it's weird to see. Is it just like controversial players that have their ups and downs that you compare them? I don't understand where how how this selective measuring stick comes in. Well, I see Eagles fans and content creators like they'll even say some crazy stuff like. Devonta Smith is better than CD Lamb, and we already know AJ Brown is. <laughs> so we have two receivers better than your one. And I'm like, 
can we just hurry up with the season? Because I'm not, I don't like, I personally don't care about it. I laugh about it. And I, you know, I actually said this to somebody else the other day, like I only follow like 190 people on Twitter. So it's not a lot of people and people always think it's some like narcissistic thing to keep my like numbers or whatever. I just protect my peace and I'm not going to invest in like these debates back and forth in June with people who aren't providing context. Everybody wants to argue like Skip and, and Shannon and I don't I don't want to partake in that and I don't want to have a conversation with whose QB1 is better than our QB1. It's like, please, like I understand that's part of being a fan, but it, it's just redundant when you know that every offseason somebody's going to compare. You think Dak Prescott stinks, right? Then why is he the measuring stick all of a sudden? Why is Trayvon Diggs? He gets toast, right? He's burnt. Why is he always the measuring stick? Like, like, and that, and what people always say, the Cowboys are always on TV. The Cowboys are always being talked about. Do people not realize why? Do they not yeah. understand that they're the reason why I don't have to pay for them out of market because <laughs> they're always going to be on national television? So the more you talk about it, the easier you make my life. So I guess it's I thank you. Yeah. And I mean, this is a little bit off on a tangent, but we're loosely talking about this. I put little to no stock, if any, in quarterback rankings. Like when you want to throw out your top 32 quarterbacks, to me, it's it's largely opinion. As long as Patrick Mahomes is one on the list, I really don't care. But the Outside amount of that time, one, that one list. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that one list? That was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but we were both like, what? Yeah, no, but there was this one list that went around. Yeah. But anyway, I've seen so many times this offseason and it baffles me. Two players. One, I kind of understand. Kirk Cousins, B, that I don't understand at all. Jared Goff being commonly ranked above Dak. And this isn't just like I've seen one list here, one list there. It's like, I'd say 50% of lists, Dak is behind one, if not both of those names that I'm... I don't understand. Is this like... And like, I, I think even the most ardent Dak hater who's a Cowboys fan would say Dak's still better than Kirk and he's still better than Jared Goff. Like, where... Is this just for clicks or do people actually believe that Dak Prescott is worse than these two quarterbacks, like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff, which did we not watch the same Vikings game last yeah. year? Dak beat him 41 to three. Here, here's my opinion on this, right? And I, and I could be wrong, but this is wholeheartedly how I feel about it. I think that Jared Goff is from casual observers for me to put it nicely because he's made it to a Super Bowl, right? So he's got to be better than the Dak. He's made it to a Super Bowl. So in their mind, to a casual observer who A plus A plus B equals C to them, is he's got to be better than the Dak. I think the Kirk Cousins stuff is just flat out disrespectful. I think people yeah. are trying to be disrespectful because how Kirk wilts in big games. He's not known for this. And they want to say, oh, Kirk Cousins is the equivalent to Dak Prescott. And I think that's disrespectful. But like I, I've said it before. I've said it a million times. That if Dak's not in your seven to ten, like he, I could see people putting him anywhere from six to ten. But if he's not in your ten, I don't know if I'm gonna put any stock or legitimacy in what you're telling me. I, I just can't. I don't have any time for it. And yeah, like I've, I said this. I think it was if the if it was not the immediate podcast following the 49ers loss, it was close to it. I'm not gonna do a whole lot of defending Dak over this offseason because I think at this point the narrative's gotten so overblown that I'm not gonna try and defend against everybody who says like yeah. Dak can't win a playoffs, Dak's a horrible quarterback. Like one man, I'm not gonna do that. Like I can't do it anymore because the narrative's gotten so overblown. But at the same time, there's a difference between saying, like, oh, Dak might struggle in playoff game sometimes and Dak has his moments where yeah he last season the interception numbers was too high there's a difference between that and just saying like oh Dak's outside the top like 14 15 and which is something I've seen him ranked in like the 12 to 13 range yeah. I'm like you can't tell me there are that 12 to 13 bet quarterbacks better than Dak Prescott even if you are an adamant Dak quote-unquote hater yeah, I hate to give a little peek behind like the Wizard of Oz here, but I feel like a lot of those people that put Dak Prescott in that range, they do it for the content, they do it for the engagement, and it's because yeah. you, there is should be no credibility in a man who has Dak Prescott in the twelve to fifteen, seventeen range. Like that's lunacy to me. That's that's crazy. So there's got to be ulterior motives there, in my opinion. And um, I mean, I'm glad, like you said, you haven't partaked in it too much. I haven't done the back and forth with Dak Prescott. I don't do the back and forth with other fan bases too, too often. So um, 
But with that being said, let's get to more positive things. And I guess it's a negative thing. It's our next, it's our main meat topic that we're talking about today. It's we're going to talk about three guys we aren't talking enough about heading into training camp. So three guys that you think may help may be on this 53-man roster who, for whatever reason, just isn't getting the hype heading into training camp at Oxnard, California. Um, would you want to go first, Aiden? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll go first because I think this is a if you've listened to this podcast this is a guy that I've supported for a very long time and not a very long time specifically the past year that Mm. I think I really believe in and I really like think he's going to be a lot more important to this team than people believe I'm going my first picks Peyton Hendershot Mm. and with Luke Schoonmaker getting taken in the the second round I think immediately it was like Ferguson to a lesser extent, but Hendershot, I haven't heard a peep people talking about Hendershot anymore. I think it's kind of like people think, well, it's going to be Schoonmaker, Ferguson, and like that. I do think from what I saw from Hendershot last year, outside of one horrific drop against Mm -hmm. the Tennessee Titans, he was, he wasn't as good as Ferguson, but he wasn't super far behind him. I saw a lot of yards after the catch ability. He looked he looked like a polished tight end and it was, he was still a rookie last year. This is also the reason that I didn't want us going tight end early is because I wanted to see Ferguson and Hendershot develop Ferguson still getting a little bit of attention. I think Hendershot can be a big contributor to the tune of like 30, 40 receptions from a, from a tight end quote unquote three on the roster, especially with Schoonmaker missing time. Hendershot's can be a guy that I think has a much bigger role than we're talking about. I like that. I really do. That was actually I debated my final one with him and I obviously I went a, another way, but I do understand what you're saying. I think he's one of those guys where I was I know I was in the minority with this top uh, this take, but for a brief moment, I you know, it was very brief, but in a brief moment, I was like, I kind of like kind shot a little bit more than Ferguson. It felt like he gave a little more juice, a little more athletic. He had a little bit more big playability. Now, ultimately, I think Jake Ferguson is going to be steady Eddie, and I really do like what Jake Ferguson's going to bring. Um, but I'm right there with you in the Henderson, uh, the Hendershot, um, you know, camp. I think that kid is, he's unique. And I think that was a home run of an undrafted pick. Um, and I think for him to come in and kind of that, you know, you always see it with the NFL guys, like some guys have like supreme confidence. I think they're all confident to get to where they're at. But I think Henderson Hendershot walked in there and was like, I belong here. And I think that's yeah. why he stuck around. And I could see definitely um, him having a substantial, if not substantial, at least a uh, somewhat of a good impact on this offense this year. I The way that I see this tight end room working out this year is I, I think a lot of people, at least before we started getting news of the Schoonmaker injury, I think a lot of people saw it as like Schoonmaker's tied in one, Ferguson's tied in two, Hendershot's tied in three. I think the way it's going to work out this season is, especially with the Schoonmaker news now, it's going to be like a tight end 
1A, 1B, 1C almost, with maybe Hendershot being like the tight end two behind, like slightly behind Ferguson and Schoonmaker. But I, I just don't think there's going to be a drop off between those first two names and Hendershot. It's just like playing time, routes run, a lot of that. I think we're going to see Hendershot get somewhat involved, as not as involved as the other two, but. More than I think people are talking about. Yeah, I think so. Just to be clear, Schoolmaker is dealing with, with the foot injury. Um, he yeah. he should be okay, right? He should be, but he's missing yeah. some precious time. You know, not okay a good and, time to be injured, right? As is, a rookie, well, yeah. you don't want to come in here and not get the at least the mental reps here. So yeah, I I agree. I think Hendershot, and that's how I feel about it. I, I know you said Luke Schoolmaker being you know second round pick probably slotted as tight end one. I'm in the, I'm the camp of take it from Ferguson. It's 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 Ferguson's job in my mind to take it. And and that kind of yeah. falls for Hendershot too. Year two guy got some comfortability. If he can go out there and he and he has a year two leap, schoolmaker's got a got a little bit of work cut out for him, you know? Let real quick, just so I know where it is in your mind. If you were to like base off last year's performance, give Ferguson and Hendershot a one to one hundred grade, like grade them on a school a classroom scale mm. what would you give those two names because i want to know if like i see the drop off as less drastic as yeah. you do so what what is a passing grade do, do you considered like you just pass 70 okay then i would i would put the based on perspective where they were drafted i would put jake ferguson at like a 75 and then I would. That put, was going to be my exact grade. Really? Okay. We're we're locked up <laughs> on Ferguson. And then Hendershot probably like an eighty-five, based on who he was. You know what I mean? I'm like, talking. I'm I'm talking about more like performance. Like oh, let's grade these guys on. Yeah, like a binary. Yeah. Like yeah, you so, perform. I for 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 uh, uh, tight end three to step in, I would give him a passing grade. I give him a seventy. That's yeah. I I think I'd have Hendershot as like a seventy-two. So like yeah. slightly below Ferguson, but. I don't I don't I don't see there being a huge drop off. Yeah, I totally agree. And um that kind of brings it to my first topic is or my first pick here. On the other side of the ball, I was looking at I was thinking about it. I have all three of my guys are on defense. So it's interesting. Just a little spoiler as we get going. But my first guy, defensive line, Dorrance Armstrong. I think when you talk about the defensive line here, um, you talk about Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams, Dante Fowler. Most people are like, wait a minute. Oh, Dorrance Armstrong? That That's a trade chip. That's somebody we could trade. That's a piece that we can move here and get somebody else. I've heard that a few times. Um, but people, he had eight and a half sacks last year. And on top of that, was the special teams demon. Do you remember that Los Angeles Rams game where he had a Ooh, yeah. strip sack, Demarcus Lawrence yeah. took it to the house, and then he went and blocked the punt? Like, Dorrance Armstrong has made the absolute most of his reps, right? And and it's a shame that he doesn't get talked about it because I do agree the Sam Williams hype is very encouraging. We know what we get from Demarcus Lawrence. But we know what we get from Micah Parsons. Dante Fowler brings a little bit of juice in, in his his role. Um, it, there's a lot of intriguing pieces there. We had talked about this Cowboys D, defense and D-line maybe specifically matches up really well with like the Eagles defense or defense in line. So for me... Um, I think Dorrance Armstrong deserves a little bit more conversation. Eight and a half sacks last year. Um, that was, he had seven and a half sacks coming into the career to the last year. So um, maybe people are talking about him in the trade chip because it's, you know, sell high. But I think that people, once we get into training camp, I think that we could see a little bit more from Dorrance Armstrong. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Now, I'm really glad this is your pick because, I mean, I'm not, Last year when we got rid of Randy Gregory, I know a lot of fans were, there was kind of split. Some fans were freaking out. I was in the boat that I was completely fine with letting Randy Gregory go because of what we had seen from Dante, uh, from Dorrance Armstrong. And I think what we saw in 2022 confirmed that. Like, yeah, if you're talking about a guy, like we can pay, we're paying Dorrance Armstrong significantly less than we were paying Randy Gregory. He was, you don't have to worry about a suspension. You don't have to really worry about a suspension with or any off the field issues with uh, Dorrance Armstrong. So to me, he delivered on that. And I'm really excited for his prospects going into 2023. I think you mentioned it. The one reason being that, like, the I think people are dampering a little bit on Dorrance Armstrong. It's not actually because of his play, but more about what we're hearing about Sam Williams, who's looked apparently really impressive based off his year one to year two progression. So I think that's a big question mark is how much are they going to use Sam Williams? Is he going to become like 
Is he going to take a decent amount of Dorrance Armstrong snaps, or are they still going to maintain the, a similar-ish split to 2022? And that's the thing. I think um, I don't think it, anybody means disrespect when they kind of slight Dorrance Armstrong. I think it is just an excitement level for what's around him. And, and you see it all the time with other guys on different teams where, you know, this guy is important or he fills a role or you don't really think about him until you need him. Um, that's kind of just the situation he's in. I mean, quietly, he was right behind Micah Parsons for a while in sacks. I know he got a lot of the gate pretty fast. He had more sacks than Demarcus Lawrence. He just, and in the, in the snap count just wasn't that high. And I don't expect it to be crazy high this year, but I appreciate the output for what he's going to actually get. If he's, if we get Dorrance Armstrong out there for what, 15, 20 snaps. And those are pass rushing. He's fresh and he's out there, you know, like a bat out of hell, so to speak. I, I really like and think that's an encouraging thing for this Cowboys defense. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what Dorrance Armstrong, because you're right. It's just Dorrance Armstrong is one of those guys who he doesn't need a lot of snaps. He's just going to bring an impact at, very like when you need it, like the beginning of the Rams game, it yes. seemed like because was that the first game after Dak Prescott got injured, or was that the second? Was it Bengals first, then Rams, Bengals or was first, it Rams? Then Rams? Yeah, Bengals, and okay. Rams. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, that was a time where we were still down on the team. Dorrance Armstrong yeah. delivered two huge plays and ultimately a resulting in a Cowboys win. So, definitely a guy it. when you need it. Yep, definitely. We needed so. it. So, Aiden, what's your number two guy? Yeah, I'll go this. This is a player that we haven't, I don't think, given enough appreciation to, especially which is odd considering how much we've talked about the offensive line. I'm going with Tyler Biotish. I don't think we mm. really give Tyler Biotish the credit he deserves because Zach Martin at this point, yes, he's the gold standard of offensive linemen. He's stayed incredibly, he stayed healthy when we like, I it's not perfect, not a perfect bill of health, but for a guy who is now reaching the, his 30s, Zach Martin stayed. Uh, exceptionally healthy so he's the gold standard but outside of that like we're dealing with issues with tyron smith we're dealing with issues with terrence Steele. with the left guard like tyler smith like promise like there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line but i don't think we we haven't turned to appreciate tyler biotish enough for saying we're center our position our center position is we're filled we're done ever so like we are set at center for the foreseeable future because tyler biotish in a season where I think last year was a lot of people saw it as a make or break season for Tyler Biotis. Like there were still a lot of question marks about him. Is he the guy really? He went out in 2022, played all 17 games, looked excellent. Really, we didn't have any issues at center at all last year. Like to me, it was just a perfect performance for Tyler Biotis. And now walking into 2023, where you have question marks with Terrence Steele, where you have question marks with Tyron Smith, where you have question marks of where uh, T- Tyler Smith's going to be playing. We, we don't have that with Tyler Biotis. He's just a guy who's going to give you he's he is not obviously not Travis Frederick, but he is uh, risen that role of I don't need to worry about center. I know we got our guy and that's supremely helpful. And I don't think Tyler Biotis is getting the credit he deserves. I mean, that's such a, that's an outstanding answer. And like when you said it, I was like, damn, I wish I, you know, I wish I would have thought it or kind of put it in my list, but I didn't. And that's great. I mean, Tyler Biotis, like you said, Travis, everyone thought it was going to be Travis Frederick. And I think what people kind of lose sight of is your good football players don't have to be superstars all the time. Tyler Biotish does his job. He does it well. He handles it. I mean, I know he's an alternate, but he was a pro bowler, right? So he was voted as one of the better centers that, you know, whether that's top five, top six, whatever it is, he, he was out there. He earned it. Um, there was a lot of people this time last year who were ready to be off of Tyler Biotish. And I think it was, it was premature. I was one of them. I'll go, I'll go. I'll yeah. take my blows for that. I don't, I didn't really believe in the full, like I didn't believe in Tyler Biotish being the long-term answer. Yeah. And it's not to you specifically, but I saw people and I think some of it was like some struggle against the interior that Eagles defensive line saw some of the, you know, some of the issues with the Washington guys. It just seemed like the big, strong guys in the middle kind of gave them some issues. Um, But those are good defensive lines. And Tyler Biotis out there taking his lumps against Aaron Donald and other big men in the middle. Um, But there is a familiarity. There's a trust. There's a confidence in him. And I agree. Like he doesn't get talked about enough because he's next to Zach Martin and the questions about Terrence Steele's health and the questions about Tyron Smith's availability. And what are we going to do with left guard? And it's that good conversation. Like you said, it's like, you know, 
Dak's going to tap the butt. They're going to be under center. It's going to be Biotis, and he's going to handle business. I think that's a great answer. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Like he had to follow Travis Frederick, who if he if he if Travis Frederick was able to play an entire career, Hall of Famer, right? Do you agree with yeah, that? Like he, I th- I think he was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, he was. You remember the not to kind of veer off here, but do you remember the dial dialogue about Travis Frederick? They reached for him. He's a third round guy. They got in the first yeah. round, and it's like. That was the one of the first times for me. I was like, "All right, let the Cowboys cook. They know what they're doing a little bit here." And then they followed it up. Was it the next season that they took Zach Martin when people were screaming for Johnny Menzel? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that they ran with that too. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they had to take it out of Jerry Jones' hands. Like, no, I think they no. knew what they were doing, and it sounded yeah. good. But no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll wrap up by saying like. Don't compare him to Travis Frederick. Travis Frederick is would have been a Hall of Fame player, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's unfair to compare him. He's not going to be that. But when you're looking at a very, very good center who in two, three years when Zach Martin retires is going to be the veteran most player on this roster and is like, I mean, center's the leader of the offensive line. Like, to me, utmost, utmost faith in Tyler Biotish. And I'm really glad we have him. He deserves more credit. I totally agree. I totally, totally agree. So on to my number two here. And this is, um, I'm actually surprised in the fan base to not have as much conversation about this guy as I think it's warranted. I think he's the best of his position group. He's the best, in my opinion, of the three-headed monster. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm talking about the safeties and specifically Malik Hooker. I think Malik Hooker is by far the most talented guy. He's the true center fielder. Now, mind you, Malik Hooker's issues when in the NFL has never been ability. It's always been availability, right? So when healthy, he's shown big-time ability. You remember that game against the Colts? He had a uh, pick yep. six, a fumble return, or not a pick six. He had a pick and then a fumble return for six. Like, the guy is a playmaker. And when he's been healthy, it's never been about his skill level. So uh, I know everybody loves J. Ron Curse and what he does. He's a Swiss Army knife. And I know that Donovan Wilson is that thunder, that, that, that guy that brings the boom in the middle of the field that has become – a real big fan favorite. And I agree, Donovan Wilson is a stud. And I was down on him last year, but I understand the value. But when you're talking about the safety room and you're talking about a guy who's going to cover the field, sideline to sideline, or take a half of a field away and help your cornerbacks over over the top, I, I to me, it, we need to have a bigger conversation about Malik Hooker because I think he's a Pro Bowl talent when healthy. I completely agree with his talent when healthy. I think Obviously, the big issue has been health, and I'd love to see 2023 be a, a season where we get to see a full year of Malik Hooker because completely agree with you. If we're talking about, and I don't know which publication, so apologies for not giving the credit where it's deserved, but one publication ranked the like best position group from each, um, best the best position like in the NFC East, like who has the best, who wins the position group battle mm-hmm. and Cowboys obviously dominated safety. And like, I was just, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, Jaron curse, Donovan Wilson and uh, Malik hooker. Like there's few safety groups in the NFL that rival that. And it's because you have Malik hooker is like, yeah, you can throw him into a name, a list that has like two borderline pro bowl safeties on it. I do think, I'd put Malik Hooker as the third safety on that list. Wow. But I I mean, I just I think Jaron Curse is a stud and Donovan Wilson a little bit overhyped last year, but still had an excellent season in 2022. But I don't disagree with you that when healthy, Malik Hooker is incredibly talented. The only issue has been keeping him on the field. My only my only thing is, and so he's only missed three games since he's been here. He's played in 31 of 34 games. Um, for him, that's a, a damn good feat because there were seasons where he's only played seven games, 10 games, 11 games. So injuries have always been an issue. That's why he got he was out of Indianapolis. I think um, he he's he'd flashed. If you ever look at some of like the highlight tapes when he's in Indianapolis or Ohio State, absolute freak. Did he make the Pro Bowl? I remember him having one season in Indy where it was yeah. it was particularly impressive. So. I know people are yeah. like, this guy's gonna be the next Bob Sanders. Like it was it was like the health was always something like I my cousin Matt, shout out to my cousin Matt, big uh Colts fan, big time. And he he was like, You're gonna love him. And I was like, I'm gonna love him because I told him I loved him. When when they drafted <laughs> him, I was like, You're gonna love this guy. So it was kind of full circle for me to end up with him. And now he's actually healthy and making plays. But my whole thing is the reason why there's even a conversation, in my opinion, and this is why I love discourse and disagreeing. You're like, oh, he's the third. I think what Jaron Curse 
and what Donovan Wilson do. I think Jaron Carr specifically, and this isn't a knock to him, I don't know if he'd have the same impact anywhere else. They put him in a position here to do things in, in Dallas that Minnesota didn't use him in. You know, he wasn't used in correct ways. Donovan Wilson, I mean, everyone can use a hard-hitting safety, but for the predominant, you know, center fielder type safety, Malik Hooker can be on any team and make any safety room better, and that's kind of... You put a first-round talent on a guy who's healthy, man. I'm just super encouraged by him. So, okay, so I I think I agree with you. Malik Hooker's a better coverage safety than Donovan Wilson. I completely, I'm with you there. Do you think Malik Hooker is also better than, um, do you think Malik Hooker's a better coverage safety than J. Ron Curse? Because that's where I, I, that's where I think I'd push back. I I think I'd put J. Ron Curse as a better coverage safety than Hooker, but do you like I want to get I want to hear your thoughts. So that's the thing to me. I think Jaron Curse can match up with a tight end better, like straight up. But I think that's why they keep Hooker in the fold is because I think he's more rangy. I think he's better patrolling the field, covering a quarter, covering a half, you know, covering a third. But yeah, you want somebody to man up on a Travis Kelsey, you probably want Jaron Curse in the situation. But that's kind of the just the position between a free and a and a strong. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, I, I think that and that's why because we're splitting hairs here like having the safety room how it is is perfect they they set this situation up beautifully and that's why we can have this conversation i mean i think yeah i think we can both like i am delighted by the fact that we have three in my opinion great safeties like this is we haven't when's the last time we had like in my lifetime i haven't seen a safety room this good for the cowboys and that's because they haven't prioritized so like the fact that i'm now debating yeah Roy Williams, Darren Woodson days. Like that was like yeah. the last time. I mean, you were like yeah. a toddler. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do. I do still remember my Roy Williams jersey. One of, for some reason, <laughs> one of the first jerseys I got. And I can't I have one why. too. Thanksgiving yeah. day jersey. <laughs> I actually, and random tangent, I had both Roy Williams's jerseys. Like I had the safety <laughs> and the receiver, but the receiver was the Lions Roy Williams jersey. Oh, I don't, man. weird yeah. jersey collection as a kid. I don't really understand it, but. I'll I'll move on to my third player, and I for the last few minutes I've been debating because I have two names in mind, and I'll throw out the last name I was thinking of after you give yours. I uh, I'm still debating in my head. I'm gonna say the last underrated player is, and this is mostly post draft, and I think you're going with a similar position with your third pick. I'm gonna say it's Oso Digizua. Mm. I do think Osa is a guy that. I don't think we appreciated his year one to year two breakout enough. I think from 2021 to 2022, Osa showed us a lot of good stuff. And I think that he's a now a like defensive tackle two behind. I mean, I, in my opinion, he's still the best defensive tackle on this roster. Hopefully Mozzie Smith proves otherwise. I hope Mozzie Smith's a stud and he's a breakout and he's everything that we draft him as a first round talent to be. I'd, I'd love that. But to me, like right now, Osa showed us enough to where, like I have a lot of confidence in what Osa brings to the table. I have a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to take a year three jump because, I mean, the jump from year one to year two was incredibly impressive for me. Another year with Dan Quinn, I have a feeling that he's, I mean, he's going to get even better going into year three. And he's going to be a defensive piece that he is going to, unlike I think what a lot of the criticisms against Mozzie was like, he's going to be able to get to the quarterback. He's going to be able to generate those pressures, get those sacks from the defensive tackle position. And to me, that's an underrated skill that as we start talking about what's Mozzie Smith going to be like, what's our first round pick going to turn into, let's not ignore the fact that Osa is still a very good tackle on this team who's going to provide a lot of value next year. I like Osa, and and I didn't pick him, and you're right. uh, My next guy will be in a similar vein, but I didn't pick him. Um, But the conversation with Osa and Quentin Bohanna, I think the expectation is a little off, right? Like, Quentin Bohanna was a sixth-round pick, and I don't know what they expected of uh, an Osa as a a three-tech, right? I do agree. I think that this is a super important year for him because if you listen to the fan base at all, like, they're ready to move on, which I don't think is justified. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. But, I mean... Each their own. Yeah, to each their own is the absolute only answer to that because I do think there is value. I think there is a spot for him. And um, I mean, realistically, I think the Cowboys are gonna go like ten or eleven deep on the D line because there's so much talent there. They're gonna have to keep 
you know, six pass rushers and four interior guys. And maybe, you know, they might have to go six and five for all we know. So, um, and Osa figures into that to me, I I know there's going to be some tough conversations and I know there's going to be some back and forth about who's going to win these battles and injuries will play into that as well. But um, yeah, I think Osa is underrated and I, I, I didn't pick him, and you had three really good selections, but I do like what Osa brings to this defense. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil your, uh, your next name, but it maybe it, it might be spoiling, it might not. Who would you say is the best pass rushing defensive tackle on this team? Because I, at this point, from what I've seen, I there's a couple in it, but I think I'd argue it's Osa based off what he's the pressure he's been able to generate. Yeah, and the I mean that's what I'd argue. But what do you think? I, I so I'll I'll go right and I'll roll into mine. Okay. Right, I think Perfect. Osa. Yeah. And my third pick is Quint, um, excuse me, is uh, Chauncey Golston, and I and I would argue that that'd be the two names that I'd right. argue. Yeah, Chauncey Golston. Now, for people that don't know, um, Chauncey Golston bulked up and moved inside. They drafted him out of Iowa to be a defensive end. He bulked up to like two eighty or something, kind of what they're doing to Junior Fajoko a little bit. Get him bigger, play interior, and so he has that pass rush skill set. He has that bag of moves, and for me, Chauncey Golston is that guy who um, he got stronger at the end of the year. Now his opportunities, we talked about, you know, some of these guys not having a lot of opportunities like Dorrance Armstrong because of the, the amount. Chauncey Colston is like fighting for peanuts here for spots. But like, I think he ended up having, he had 11 tackles leading up to the Washington game at the end of the year. Now we know the Washington wow. game. Yeah, he had 11 tackles and I think he had 22 in the Washington game. 22 tackles? Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. Reverse that. He had 22 tackles on the year and got 11 in the Washington game. So he like that's half of his tackle in one game. And and I remember Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy were talking about it like his arrows up at the right time heading into the playoffs. Like you feel really good about you, John C. Golston. I think he's going to have to fight and claw and fight for some reps here because there's so much talent around him. But I think he's somebody we're not talking about in the conversation. And and when I say conversation, I don't mean conversation to be like this, you know, breakout star, but I think he needs to be in the rotation or he needs to be talked about in this battle a little bit more. Yeah. And I, you mentioned it. I think that his issue was, I think we have such a stacked defensive end room and it wasn't really the case when he got drafted, but that defensive end room was starting to be built around the time that he was drafted. And so I think we kind of expect like a lot of the fan base expected him to be this like, a contributor at defensive end and get, I mean, maybe get like develop into like a Sam Williams ish, Dorrance Armstrong ish, where he's a defensive end contributor. And when we moved him inside, I think people still had that expectation of he's going to be the, like, you're right. He's not going to, he's likely not going to be the leading tackler on the interior, on the defense of, in the defensive tackle room. He's not going to be the snap leader, but I really like what I've seen from him so far. And so I'm, I'm in on this pick. I'm completely similar with Osa. Like I'm in on both players. I yeah. Osa. Yeah. Give me both. And to me, like I, I know the fan base was like, and it's, it stinks to lose a draft pick and you play the games with Russian roulette of, uh, the, you know, the roster guys. But when we lost John Ridgeway, a lot of people were upset about it, right? Like, Oh, put him in practice squad, Washington, picked him up. And yeah, that stinks. You hate to lose a fifth round guy with a little tenacity, but I'm like, yo, we have so much talent in the defensive line. Like it's just is what it is. And I feel like, you know, you're talking about Osa, I'm talking about Chauncey, I'm talking about Dorrance Armstrong. Like somebody might not be here. And right. And and we're having a conversation in June about let's they're not being talked about enough. And the and the fact of the matter is they one of these guys could get cut by the Cowboys and go be a you know a stud in Jacksonville for all we know. Yeah. And like that's why and we I think I talked about this on the post draft show. That's why I was a little bit confused with the uh junior Fahoko pick because of the fact that it's like another guy that was a D that we're planning on moving to the interior. Like you can only have so many defensive linemen make this roster. And like mm -hmm. the Cowboys at this point are like, reach, like do it. Would I love to see what junior Fahoko can turn into one day? Yeah. I, I really like young guy drafted somewhat early. Like I'd love to see what the guy turn in, turns into, but I'm not going to do that at the expense of a guy like Golston Osa, at a like if you want to keep him outside i'm not going to do that at the expense of a guy like dorrance arms like we only have so many spots on this roster and so like we're at capacity right now and so like guys like you're gonna have to make the difficult decisions with junior fahoka 
Yeah, you're totally right. And um, I think that's a well-rounded, complete list. So just to kind of rehash, you had – who are your three guys again? I had Tyler Biotis, um, Oso Digazua, and I'm thinking back to my first pick. It was – give Bain me a Henderson. second. You, Bain Anderson. There we yeah. go. And my Thank three you. were um, Malik Hooker, Dorrance Armstrong, and Chauncey Golston. I think that's strong. For us to come up with six unique names, and we and we hashed it out. Like, we didn't have any of the same. Like, that's nope. pretty impressive to have six guys that we're like, all right, these guys need more exposure. And then my honorable mention was going to be Damone Clark. The only reason I didn't say his name was because I think he's been getting he's been getting a decent amount of attention this offseason. So I think, yeah, he exceeds the minimum attention. <laughs> My honorable mention it was somebody that maybe not necessarily I agree because I've been kind of talking about him being on the cut, you know, conversation. But I think the Cowboys are gonna put us in the situation like, hey, don't forget about this guy, Jordan Lewis. I think with the with the with the yep. emergence of Deron Bland and maybe Jordan Lewis's injury, people are forgetting that they love like Jordan Lewis's tenacity and what he brings to this defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's really in the thick of things. So. Did you not go with your guy, Ronald Jones, because you think he's getting too much attention the other way, like too much <laughs> negative attention that you can't give him? Like, No, you know, I, I didn't pick Ronald Jones because I thought there were, we just mentioned six guys. And I think yeah. I would have put all six of these guys over him. Like that running back room is going to be sorted out. Like I, I think sure. Ronald Jones could help this team out, but he, he could lose the job to Malik Davis for all I know. It's just, but these six dudes that we mentioned um, for America's team, uh, they deserve more pub, honestly. Agreed. Yeah, let's. You don't need to publish the uh, Demarcus Lawrence art headlines and those quotes. Let's start focusing on guys like yeah, Osa, guys like Goldstone. Yeah, right. Let's start giving them real attention. camp battles, man. We're gonna have some yeah. real camp battles to talk about, and I think I think the sick guys we mentioned are gonna be entrenched. I mean, Malik Hooker's. You know, some of these guys are established, aren't going anywhere. Agreed. Uh, there's going to be battles with some of these back end guys we're talking about. So um, unless you have anything else, Aiden, you got anything else you didn't touch on? Nope. Got nothing. Oh, real quick. Yeah. Rapid fire question for you. Cause I saw this posted in an article and once again, not giving proper credit. So <laughs> really big apologies for this. Somebody suggested the fact that uh, Cooper rush could be trade bait. If Jimmy Garoppolo that. doesn't work out for the Raiders, what do you need your reactions to that? Agree? Disagree? I don't hate it if it can produce something that can help us because if, you know, where does that old coach, uh, they were talking about Peyton Manning. He's like, you know, why don't you, why does Peyton Manning get all the reps? He goes, because if we lose Peyton Manning, we're effed and we don't practice F. <laughs> and I'm like, fair enough. So if we lose Dak Prescott, even though we lost, you know, we had Rush, I think Will Greer can kind of hold it down too if he has to. So fifth round pick for Cooper Rush, right? Straight up right now. You saying yes? You're I want a kicker. I want, I want a player. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to get next year's pick, I'd rather just have him on the roster. Okay, that's fair. I'll give you, you know? that. Okay. Yeah. So, another episode of the First and Ten Podcast brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis. Appreciate you guys joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.